Welcome to the Movie Swatch Before You Die podcast. I am your host, Dylan, along with my co-host, Gab. And today we're talking about a 2018 film that I'm presenting as a movie to watch before you die. It honestly might be the most recent movie we've done, just because I wanted to get back from our string of earlier releases. So I went with what I thought was an underrated comedy, and I feel like it was talked about one at the time because it, you know, had more box office success than I think people would have expected it to. Uh, The movie was Game Night, starring Jason Bateman, Rachel McAdams, and a bunch of other people. Uh, Oh, but before I get into what the movie's about, God, why are people listening to us talk? Well, Dylan, what a great question. People are listening to us talk because, you know, we're experts. We've been doing this a long time. I was an actor. You were a video editor. I hate using the phrase video. I always want to call you a movie editor, but I guess there's a big difference, right? Oh, uh, there is a big difference. And I definitely was not like a feature film editor ever. I was definitely more of a video editor, uh, news editor, sports editor. If you ask any of my bosses, they just told me I do sizzles. That That's like the catch all word for people who don't edit. They're like, do a sizzle of this. But yes, I did editing. You were an actor. We both went to school for film. And by this point, we've done enough podcast episodes that like we are just basically experts on podcasting, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's why works. this only took two takes. <laughs> well, I wasn't <laughs> going to tell them that, but. Now I feel like I have to leave the previous take in. No, I'm not going to do that. It was bad people. So edit editor. Let's get in to game night. And Gab, why don't we start by you telling me since you had never seen this movie before in a spoiler free way. What was game night about? What's this all been about? What am I working toward? You think you know everything about me, don't you? I die, but you're a bummer. I bloody well ought to. Game night is about a, um, couple that hosts a weekly game night with their friends and um the crazy catastrophe that ensues when they allow uh the brother of the husband to host the game night gab i gotta ask you did you look at the imdb plot summary no because that was pretty uh, to quote my cousin Vinny, pretty dead on balls accurate Oh, my God. Read it. The IMDb plot summary. A group of friends who meet regularly for game nights find themselves entangled in a real life mystery when the shady brother of one of them is seemingly kidnapped by dangerous gangsters. Yeah, mine was like the mine was like the the. You know what I'm doing right now where I'm like searching for the words. It was that version of that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but I thought it was very close. Like I was literally staring at the IMDb plot summary and I was like, wow. Thank you. The tagline. This is not a game. Okay. It's it's okay. It's fine. A little lazy. You know, not every tagline can be a winner. And I feel like in 30 episodes, I feel like we have only found like five or six that you and I have been like, that's a really good tagline. Yeah. Yep. Taglines are just notoriously bad. As I say often, my favorite tagline comes from a garbage movie. Like, I think I've mentioned it before on this podcast. My favorite tagline is Alien versus Predator. Whoever wins, we lose. I think that is pitch perfect for that movie. Mm. Is the movie great? No, not at all. It's fine like mediocre to fine it's right in that range but god damn it that tagline has stuck with me since that movie came out yeah it's good i agree all right gab should we give our opinions on game night yeah why don't you go first in this critic's opinion you know that's just like uh your opinion man i have a right to my opinion and my opinion is you have no right to your opinion being that i had seen this before I was not surprised uh, by how much I liked certain aspects of it. What I was surprised by is just how many jokes are in this movie because it is loaded wall to wall with jokes. And I got to say the entire time I find myself, you know, chuckling or laughing at one thing or another. Um, I will say, you know, 
one of the things that I had to compliment this movie on that I think is like so impressive about it, where it really went above and beyond what it had to do was cinematography. Mm, and yeah. I don't think it had to do this. You know, it's, you know, it's a very funny movie. It's a good script. But the fact that it uses uh, these lenses and these angles to make things look like game pieces or the way that you'll, you know, the camera will be positioned directly above the car and attached in such a way that it feels like you're moving it like it's a game piece. I think that shit is really cool. Um, I think it just adds to it in such a way. I also think the music is really cool in this movie. It reminds me of like a slightly lighter version of David Fincher. Like I could see this music being in, obviously David Fincher is not a, you know, composer, but music that would be in his movies, like a, a Trent Reznor or Atticus Ross. Um, Wait a second. Who's David Fincher? Uh, Seven, the girl with the dragon tattoo. Uh, Alien 3, The Social Network. Got it. Okay, thank you. But it's got like that heavy keyboard synth feel where it feels like kind of dark and it's like, this is a little bit lighter than David Fincher, but it feels like you could work in one of those movies even, which is cool for the fact that after listening to a lot of the directors talking, it's very much, they wanted to do a thriller and a comedy sort of very much blended together. Yeah, yeah. The cinematography actually reminded me of um hot fuzz scott pilgrim versus the world i can't think of his name uh edgar wright edgar wright is the director i'm not sure what cinematography he uses but but those those very quick cuts of like the popcorn and the you know the those like rapid montages exposition rapid montages yeah okay yeah i do love they do this montage at the beginning of like catching you up on max and annie's relationship yeah and I love that there's one friend that they end up like ragging on in the beginning that like he never comes back, I realize, but it's very funny the way that they're like, yes, doing charades and they're pointing at him. And they're like, uh, forever alone, uh, loser, unemployed. <laughs> and he's yeah. just like, oh, come on, man. And I was just <laughs> like, it's very funny. And I, I should have looked it up because I'm wondering, if, does that guy have some other relation to the movie? Because it's just funny the way he's in there for like such a brief period of time and just dissed on. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, considering you had never seen this before, and I believe you told me you woke up, you woke up, you woke up. That sounds very <laughs> like, yeah, you're a woke up person. No, um, <laughs> you woke up and watched this for the first time at like six in the morning. Did it yeah. rise above your early morning to still be funny for you? Well, I'll say this. Um, initially, I was a little um, turned off by... A number of things so we'll go down the list and not all of them i'm gonna hold against the movie but the, i do want to discuss number one jason bateman can only play himself huh well jason bateman is sort of like a, a ryan reynolds in the sense that he plays a similar character in everything he's in um the most different thing i've ever seen him in was in dodgeball when he's being that announcer and he's still like talking like jason bateman he just looks a little different i feel like just with his yeah. weird you know greased up hair I've actually never seen Dodgeball. Side note. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I don't know if it's one to the add to the list for us to to talk about, but that is surprising that it's just like you made it through 2004 without watching Dodgeball, huh? Yeah, isn't that it's kind of an accomplishment honestly. It's almost um, impressive, yes. Yeah, he just he's always himself and I'm a big fan of Ozark and I'm just like watching him and you know, I'm I even listen to Smartless the podcast mm-hmm. and I'm just like, damn, Jason Bateman is just Jason Bateman, always and forever. Like, that's it. So that was a little bit like, oh, okay, here we go again. Um, Rachel McAdams is somebody that I really like. 
in what I would describe as character roles. But I feel like when Rachel McAdams plays the every girl, I don't like it. You know what I mean? Like when she is Regina George, I think she's incredible. Even in the notebook when she was this, this, when she was this like (laughs) Southern bell, you know, like old school. I don't even think she was Southern, but like playing that role from like a, like a character from a different time period. I loved, but anytime you see Rachel McAdams, just like playing someone like that I could work with. I'm just like the likability factor for me goes down a little bit. And I, I think it's not, that's not against the character that she plays in this film, but it definitely, I don't enjoy her when she's trying to be like everybody else. Does that make sense? Is that a hot take? I don't think it's a hot take. I, and you know what? I feel like I don't agree with it as much as I agree with like Jason Bateman is always Jason Bateman. Cause like, I get that. Although I haven't watched Ozark, which I hear he's like, I know it's a like dark drama. So I feel like that's very different. You're shocked oh my that God. I have not seen Ozark. Clearly. I can't believe you haven't seen it. It's so good. Definitely watch it. You will become addicted. Um, He's Jason Bateman, but like under a lot of stress. <laughs> it's I'm like, like so Jason me. Bateman. <laughs> yeah, basically Jason Bateman, but like, he could get murdered. You know what I mean? Like, it's honestly not too dissimilar from his role in this movie. I do feel like he's perfect for this movie, though. Like, I, I feel like the character is, you know, totally works as him. Like, it's nothing. Yeah. You know, it's like Ryan Reynolds is Deadpool. He works in that role. You know what I yeah. mean? Do I like yeah. him outside of Deadpool? No, because he's always Deadpool. But it yeah. works for him in that movie. Yeah. That's my feeling. That's my hot take on Ryan Reynolds, I guess. Um, Rachel McAdams, I... I don't think she's a standout for me in this movie, but I think she does a, a perfectly fine job. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's a few lines that she has that are great. Yeah. Like particularly, um, you know, obviously opinions we get into our more spoilery territory. Uh, I love when it's just before they realize that like the situation is real when they're, they've got the guys with the gun on them and she puts the gun directly in this dude's face and says, sing into the mic as she's doing like karaoke. <laughs> yeah. I fucking crack up every time because she says it in such a genuine way. My favorite um, line of hers is at the end when the guy gets sucked into the helicopter, the helicopter, <laughs> the airplane uh, jet, and she goes, yes, and then, oh, no, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, I don't know if you remember, that was a line they used in, like, every trailer. But no, I, I will say having, you know, being five years removed from when this movie came out, it hit me again as being like, oh, my God, that's fucking funny. Yeah. I also love <laughs> she and Jason Bateman, they'll have the exact same reaction to a thing. And I guess it's because they're a couple, like sometimes they'll share that reaction and it's very cute when they do like, you know, again, if you haven't seen this movie, I hate to be so spoilery and talk about things right at the end. Jason Bateman has a bullet hole in him at one point and somebody throws a knife at him that goes directly into his bullet hole and he goes right in my bullet hole, which already <laughs> makes me laugh. Then Rachel McAdams and sees him and she goes, you have a knife in your bullet hole. <laughs> like It just it's even funnier the second time. Yeah, I will say. My favorite uh, two people in this movie are probably the two people who are, you know what, I'll point out one person above the other. My favorite person in this movie who is playing this not at all as a comedy is Jesse Plemons as the character Gary. Yeah, yeah. He is so fucking good from like the very start playing a character who does not belong in a comedy movie at all. He is like a mix of taxi driver observe and report where he is so darkly serious that you're like, what's this guy's deal? <laughs> yeah. He's creepy as hell. Can you tell me, um, is it, do I know this actor from something else? Like, 
he looks so familiar to me. Well, first of all, I always think he kind of looks like Matt Damon. Uh, but oh yeah, like a fat Matt Damon. He didn't always look like a fat Matt Damon, but fat yes, Damon, he, if he you did will. get fatter. First, he's married to Kirsten Dunst. That's not what you oh, know her from. That's just you a know fun I fact. hate her. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. Um, the first thing that always comes to my mind and like his breakout role, I feel like was he was on Breaking Bad. Did you watch Breaking Bad? <gasps> yes, of course I watched Breaking Bad. But who was he? He's the kid on the motorcycle who shot. Well, he shot the kid on the motorcycle and killed him when they were doing the train heist. So he worked with them briefly as like one of their assistants. Oh, my God. He also enslaved and tortured Jesse at one point, I believe, um, with yes. the neo-Nazis. Yes. Yes. Wow. Okay. But he's been yep, in a yep, lot yep. of things since then. And he is obviously a very talented actor. And I feel like I see him a lot more in drama. And seeing him in this movie, I'm like, why isn't this guy in more comedies? Yeah. Another actor, another actor I feel that way about is Kyle Chandler, who like you normally see in like schlocky drama. Like he's in the Godzilla King of the Monsters. He's in. Uh, Which one is he? He's the brother in this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Brooks. He he was very handsome. I didn't know. I, I looked him up specifically because I was like, I know him from somewhere, but I didn't. I Nothing that he had been in is something that I had seen. I feel like you probably have seen him in passing in something because he's one of those guys who works a lot and he's just normally like he he often is a secondary character in things, but he's just one of those guys who is often charming and just often there. And he plays so well in just being so charming at the beginning of this movie. Like, again, until you get the reveal that, like, he's an asshole. Yeah. Like, I love again. It's something he says that cracks me up. You weren't an early investor in Panera. And he goes. I hate it, Panera. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That was very funny. It's just the delivery that is great. And all the people who are normal comedy actors, which I would say is everybody but those two, do a very, very good job. I'm not disparaging them at all. It's just the other two do such a good job as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So before we get into any more, I feel like we should just set up a little bit more of the plot for anybody who maybe hasn't seen this movie and doesn't plan on it um, or is too deep in this episode now to to get away from the spoilers. Um, So do you want to maybe give like the quick overview of of what happens? Yes. Uh, Max and Annie, we sort of through a montage follow the start of the relationship. They're two people who are ultra competitive, um, which very much goes with, you know, I always like them because it reminds me of me and Giselle who are both ultra competitive at games of like meaningless games like this. Yeah. So they host a regular game night, probably once a week. And Gary played by Jesse Plemons is their neighbor who, because he's divorced, they sort of don't include him in the game night anymore because they were better friends with the ex. Um, They have a game. And night also with all he's a friends. weirdo. And also he is a fucking weirdo, but like, it turns out he's a great guy to have on your side. Um, he sort of, he, he ends up being sort of like Steve Buscemi and, uh, Billy Madison, who just comes back at the end and helps out. Yeah. Um, but during one of their game nights, Jason Bateman's brother comes, Max's brother, Brooks. Brooks has this image of being ultra successful, um, ultra charming, just better than Max in every single way. He is wealthier. He is cooler. Even Max's friends seem to like Brooks more. And Brooks says next week he will host the game night and his game night is supposed to be a murder mystery. So when these guys come and kidnap Brooks and have an unbelievable fight scene with him, everybody just sort of is still sitting there like it's nothing. Brooks is kidnapped and it turns out the kidnapping is real. And the game that they think they're playing is, as the tagline says, it's not a game. Um, 
and then it just becomes a bunch of shenanigans where to get Brooks back, they have to get, um, God, what is it? They have to get a Fabergé egg. Fabergé egg, yeah. And what really matters is just along the way, you know, the hijinks that ensue. It's not really mm-hmm. so much about the chase. Um, I will say there are some great moments in the chase. Like there's, you know, one particular scene that I'm going to bring up in a minute, but I do feel like I, you know, should talk more about the other characters. So you have the first couple, Max and Annie, who are married um, and, you know, they're thinking about having, uh, well, Annie certainly is contemplating having a child with Max. And that's sort of like where they are at the beginning is she wants to do that. Max is obviously more unsure about it. The second couple, I can't remember their names. Gab, you watched it today. Do you remember their names? Which couple? The black couple? No. But I can look it up. And I know that he's not Denzel Washington. No, but he he does a great Denzel Washington impression. Yeah, he does. They have been together since they were 14 years old. That's, you know, their, like, origin, I guess, is that they are the longest together couple. The only time they were on a quick separation Kevin at one and Michelle. point. Kevin and Michelle. And we find out that Michelle slept with somebody else while they were on a break and they were like 19 years old. So he spends the entirety of the movie trying to figure out who is the, she says, celebrity that she slept with, Um, which I think leads to some great lines. I don't know if you remember, I did write some down, which apparently he was, he did a lot of uh, improv, Mm. which I, did you watch the new guy? Uh, The new girl. Uh, I've seen two episodes. It might just be called new girl. And I sound like. You know, somebody's very middle-aged parents. The new girl, have you seen Yes, it? you um, do. <laughs> but what is it he says? Oh, he's he's that guy from New Girl? He's one of the guys from New Girl. I, it said he's in over 100 episodes. So I was like, oh, this wow. guy's obviously in the show. Yeah. Yes, you are so smart and unfaithful. <laughs> um, that's <laughs> one line. You slept with Bill Nye, the science guy, and he taught you about flames when he wants <laughs> yeah, to. Yeah, that really made me fire. laugh. And when she, he builds the tower to escape, she goes, that tower is unstable. And he goes, I'm unstable. <laughs> <laughs> I know that there is more than that, but I loved that recurring thing. And his, he does this impression of Denzel Washington. That's really good. Yeah, I will say um, the the exposition for that whole storyline is that they're playing Never Have I Ever. And somebody says, Never Have I Ever Slept with a Celebrity. And she takes a drink and he notices and then she tries to be like, oh, no, I just so happened to take a drink at that time. Like, it was just a just a, a coincidence. And to me, it was like, if you really didn't want him to know, you wouldn't have drank. Like, it was just like, oh, my God. Like, they, they probably could have set that up in a way that was a little better. And I think if I had to describe my feelings on some of the comedy in this movie, it would be that. It felt like sometimes the jokes or the um, setup to the joke was just like kind of lazy and not that it's impossible to have set it up. Like she could have, he could have overheard her whispering to someone like, you know, well, I have slept with a celebrity or something like that. And he overheard, but for her to just take a drink because they were haphazardly playing this game, it feels like if you're really keeping a secret from your spouse, you're not going to drink because the rule of the game is that if you've done it, you have to drink. You know what I mean? Yeah, but to be honest, it feels like in the, you know, obviously you didn't take a lot of time to workshop it or anything. Even in the version you're describing, there's no like, if she's really trying to keep it that dead set of secret, she's just not going to say anything. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, the yeah. point of the movie is like, we have to somehow 
find out so that like they can go on that journey yeah 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 the last couple um and i'm struggling to remember their names too i know the actor's name uh sharon horgan and sarah and ryan ryan nailed it well half nailed it sarah and ryan they are the newest there Uh, ryan brings a different girl every week um and he brings sarah and you know he thinks he'll do better at game night because she's smarter but you know ryan's also an idiot that they love yeah um which brings me to another thing i love did you watch how much of the end credits did you watch all of them yeah yeah did you notice ryan's harvard alumni card (laughs) yeah 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 Yeah. yeah. that was very funny what i found was because of how quickly it moves i find that there are so many quotes that i like in this movie okay yeah um there's two when they're talking about brooks is talking about the criminal that he works for the bulgarian Uh and he says he's got his fingers and pies all around the world (laughs) and i think it's max that says what kind of pies And he goes illegal pies max with heroin in them (laughs) (laughs) yes uh why can't they go to the police which feels like the obvious question well the bulgarian's got a ton of moles on his face no in the (laughs) police department um i love like very silly little misdirects like that and they this movie does it so many times like i think brooks again says like if you win game night you get the keys to the car and (laughs) ryan goes just the keys and he goes no the whole car ryan like yeah um another scene that i'm thinking of that it's like i know i died during this did you die when ryan and sarah go to the company that sets up the murder mystery which obviously you know this is before they realize that like that is not who is behind all this did you like ryan's bribery attempt yeah i do yeah he puts ten dollars down on the counter she's not willing to budge he puts another five down. She's not willing to budge. Then he's slowly putting singles and like really slowly sliding them across the desk. And it comes out to $17. And she's like, I'm not going to be bribed for $17. And Sarah goes, well, how much money did you bring? And he goes, $17. <laughs> I also just love the way he says, I didn't want to have to come to this. When he pulls out the last <laughs> single. Um, yeah. Did you also... I feel like I was surprised by, and I remember being surprised in the theater by the big actors that come in towards the end as those major criminal roles. Yeah. I mean, Michael C. Hall, um, I was like, holy shit, it's Dexter. And which made me laugh because he like low key was just playing Dexter. You know what I mean? Obviously, Dexter has a, a very different history and background, but like ultimately I was just like, he really just took one day, went in, did what he always does, and left. It's definitely a cameo. What I find so funny is, did you watch all of Dexter? No, I've only seen one episode. <laughs> oh, okay. Because I was like, he's so not Dexter. Because yeah, what I've I love only is, seen the pilot. I love the pilot. But what's so funny to me is like how reasonable he seems. Like they say at one point, um, you know, you'll just take the list. We'll go home. Is that fine? And he's like, yeah, you know, I don't have a problem with that. And then Brooks swallows it. Yeah. And once Brooks swallows it, because like for some reason he's still worried, like, no, they're just gonna kill me. They're like, we're just gonna cut it out of you. And they go to take Brooks and he's like, What do you want us to do with the rest of them? And he says, Leave them. They've they've done nothing wrong. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I very much appreciated that he was like, Oh yeah, you know, why, why do I gotta hurt them? 
Yeah. My favorite was when Brooks was like, I'll, I'll just shit it out. And they're like, he, he goes, you think we're going to dig through your feces? That's disgusting. We're just going to cut it right out of you. <laughs> yeah. I think he's like, now stay still while I cut open your stomach. Yeah. 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 Um, um I, You know what? I think if you're that type of person, I'm sure it is very different to, you know, cut something out of a person than to, to deal with all the fecal matter. Yeah. 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 Everybody's got their thing. Yeah. Um, I think what really got me the most were the um surprise excuse me surprise twists there every time it was like revealed that it was they were actors or like again I don't I you know spoilers a, a million times but like when Gary turns out to be like having faked whatever part of the thing he's in because he wants to get invited to game night um I was shocked and then when the Fabergé egg is broken I was shocked <laughs> and when at even at the very end when Brooks is like my game night went exactly according to plan get up go ahead Dennis get up I was like <gasps> but then like obviously I, you know that, that, that is such a great real. play on it that they've been doing it to you and then it's just a total fake yeah, yeah. um I think what's really great is they're I want to say three actual games going on. There's Brooks's game with the regular murder mystery company. Mm -hmm. There's Gary's game, which involves the two ex felons kidnapping Brooks and um, Gary finding his way back into game night. And then there is, you know, I hesitate to call it a game, the Bulgarians game of trying to get the Fabergé egg and to get the list inside of the egg. Yeah. Um, Again, that's like much more the thriller aspect of it because there's nothing really comedic about like this murderer desperately wants this list of people that he needs to kill. But it's yeah. the fact of like how deep at the core that is that it doesn't really matter because like we're watching this movie on the surface and it's like, yeah, you know, that's what's going on. But like, it's hilarious. You know what I mean? Yeah. Before I just keep going on about quotes, though, there is like one more scene I really want to highlight. And that okay. is the scene where they are in. I'm trying to remember the character's name, but it's Danny Houston plays him. He is the, I guess, opponent to the Bulgarian in like this other major crime Lord that Brooks betrayed the Bulgarian for. And they get the Fabergé egg from him. And what happens is they have this long chase scene that there's probably, there's at least one cut that I notice hidden in there, but they do such a good job of making it look like it's one take. Like, did you notice like, how well orchestrated that chase is. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's funny because I had this moment where I thought to myself, they are trading good cinematography for like a poor, like, God, I feel like an idiot today. What, what am I trying to say? It was, it was shot for like poor storyline. Like there's no way that none of these people are being caught with this egg, but like it's worth it because of how beautiful it looks. And again, it's trading, you know, uh, again, when you go into a comedy, you're willing to trade some story for more laughs. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want you yeah. to have no story and like all laughs. I don't want the balance to be fully there because then it's like, that's not quite right. I just need some story and some character along with my laughs. You know what I mean? Yeah. It doesn't yeah. have to be perfect. And obviously the funnier you are, the less story you can have. But I think this hits a very good sweet spot of having like a good story and a good twist while having really good cinematography and a lot of laughs. That's what I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, I do also love during that chase scene, there is a joke that comes back that I really like about glass tables. 
there are two oh, times yes. where people hit into glass tables and it gives you the shot and the reaction like this table's about to shatter and the person just bounces off of it in a hard fucking way and they're like um what is it that the character says Man, he glass says glass tables. tables have been acting weird tonight <laughs> that's what it is and like yeah. you know what that fucking gets me yeah it's good it's funny I think yeah. my my only other issue with this movie was that the I I I I felt and maybe this is just my ignorance but I felt like the only notable actors were Jason Bateman and Rachel McAdams and obviously the cameos that come in but I just felt like I didn't recognize any of the other people and because they were playing these very like stereotypical friends right to like round out the friend group of people um i just felt like i don't know like i just i didn't they weren't like any people that i like loved or who's um the only one who i think is a character that is like very you know stereotypical is probably brian just because he's like he is very much dumb guy i think he does a great job at it yeah i have no problems with the fact that it's like you know, only Jason Bateman and Rachel McAdams are only big actors of the core six of the three mm-hmm. couples. Uh, I do feel like, you know, Kyle Chandler is a pretty recognizable actor to most people. Um, yeah, but I guess you're you're right. I wouldn't say that it's filled with like the biggest of big names. But again, yeah. I think that, you know, I think that falls well into it doesn't have to be because I think it would stand out too much if it was like. I'm trying to think, of, you know chris evans and scarlett johansson as the next couple you know what i mean yeah 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 no for sure and this is obviously like you know this is not i think a blockbuster film it certainly probably didn't have the budget for a blockbuster so you know the money was spent where the money was spent and it was it was good i think what i really liked about it was all of the plot twists every time I felt like it was predictable I was wrong it was very funny I think it had a lot of jokes I don't know that all of them really landed I think some were a little cheap um and some of them just felt like they were set up in a way that like I said like the like her admitting that she slept with a celebrity all of the jokes that resulted from that were very funny but I just felt a little bit like Come on. You know what I mean? But I'm it, picturing it, you over here like Law and Order. Gab's like, it's fruit of the poisonous tree. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if the root doesn't work. None of the ensuing jokes are good. I'm just like, and you know, it's six o'clock in the morning and I'm sitting there with my coffee. I have my glasses on and I'm like, all right, I'm going to do this. And, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe that's on me. Um, I was telling Dylan offline that I did watch the free version of this, which had commercials. So that kind of takes you out of it a little bit. Um, yeah. But like, you know, I I struggled a little bit, and I'm going to be totally honest with you. Although, I guess I don't want to really reveal yet what my decision is, so I won't say. Um, but I, I, I actually didn't get to finish the movie until I got home from work. So I watched the first, we'll say, hour and twenty minutes. Came this is home, not a good side though. <laughs> needed to watch the last ten. And um, the last 10, I was like very disappointed when it was over and not because I didn't enjoy the movie, but because I I wish that there was more to watch. Um, Okay. You know what I mean? Like I was disappointed that it was over. So. I, 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 I guess I was going a little bit back and forth throughout the day and thinking about it and whatever. But anyway, um, 
yeah, I, I think that's all I really have to say until we get to the verdict. So why don't we get to some facts? Real quick before we get to the facts, though, because I know you did watch the credits. Did you see the post credit scene? No. See, I didn't even know. I saw this movie in theaters. I've seen it since because I own the movie. I did not realize there's a post credit scene. <laughs> so. Oh, wait. Yes, 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 I did. Yes, I did. I'm sorry. Yes, I, I absolutely did. <laughs> okay. Oh, wait, wait. Maybe I didn't. Is it the guys in the van? Guys in the van. That's the that's the pre credits where they're having oh, game yes, night. When they're, that's the very very end house when they have the game yeah. night, and obviously it looks like another similar night is going to ensue. Yeah. No. 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 I'm sorry. I take it back. Um, I did not see the post credit. So the very post credit scene is we see at the gas station again, fake Denzel, who is talking to. We find out Debbie, Gary's oh. ex wife, and it gives the the same shot that it gives to like Annie and Max, where it's like. Um, that very face on shot of them smiling and like, oh, this is the brewing of something. <laughs> so it's yeah. just very funny. You know, is it like hysterical and like, oh, I can't believe you missed it. No, but it's like, oh, my God, that's so cute. You know what I mean? It's I didn't know that callback. that was there. Yeah. yeah. So Which, we should say that uh, Michelle did not sleep with Denzel Washington. She slept with a guy that convinced her he was Denzel Washington. He's, fa- he's well, a fake the Denzel. The guy didn't even convince her he was Denzel Washington. Like what's so funny about it is he tried to introduce himself and she was like, I know who you are. Like, she stops him. <laughs> And I love all of her, you know, the things, the mental gymnastics she does to tell herself, which I know we should be getting to the facts, but it's just one last very funny thing about this movie is her going, you know, we went out for drinks and dancing and he let me pay, which I thought was nice. And it's like, (laughs) what? Like, and her husband this entire time is like, he's varying between like, okay, on the side of like, maybe it was him and being like, "Eh." he drove a BMW series three. And he goes, oh. Uh, you know what I mean like <laughs> it's just very funny the way that his reactions are great yeah when you finally see the picture of her and Denzel the guy does look like they did a great job fighting somebody who does look so much like Denzel but just barely off you know what yes. I mean yes yeah like, yeah yeah it's one of those things that if you haven't watched the movie I so recommend that you do obviously if you've gotten to this point you've heard a lot about the movie but if you think you'll like it you will crack up when you see Denzel air quotes yeah, it's great. All right. Should, should I start getting to some facts, Gab? Please. I want the truth! Face the facts, dokes. Facts have no place with an organized religion. Because this was probably the most recent movie we've done, there were a lot of facts. I do, you know, think uh, I was able to put it down to, like, a, a good amount. Okay. But why don't we start with what we normally start with, our uh, ratings. So, on IMDb, this has a 6.9 out of 10. Awesome. On Rotten Tomatoes, the tomato meter gives it 85%, an average rating of 6.9 out of 10, with 221 fresh reviews and 39 rotten. The audience score, 77%, an average score of 3.8 out of 5. Critics' consensus with a talented cast turned loose on a loaded premise and a sharp script loaded with dark comedy and unexpected twists, Game Night might be more fun than the real thing. It had a budget of $37 million. That's actually way more than I would have thought. It's still, you know what? For most of the movies that come out in theaters now, I feel like it's rare to see a movie with this low a budget, which is like insane to say. But it's, it's, I would, I would normally have considered that a mid budget movie. Like, but now that's kind of low budget. I feel like every yeah. movie that comes out now is like a hundred million dollar movie. Yeah, I suppose. But I really did assume that it was lower budget than that, just based on like the cast. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the box office, it grossed $118 million. Damn. 
All right. Should I talk about the cast and directors first, or do you want me to talk about some reviews? Uh, cast and directors. So this was directed by Jonathan Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein. Uh, Jonathan Francis Daly, you may know as a young actor, he was one of the stars of Freaks and Geeks. He was the, yeah. the younger brother of uh, Linda Cardellini's character. Yeah. They have also directed the Vacation remake and the upcoming Dungeons and Dragons movie. They also wrote Horrible Bosses 1 and 2 and Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, the movie was written by Mark Perez, who also wrote The Country Bears, Herbie Fully Loaded, and Accepted. The Country um, Bears. Hey, that's what was there. Uh, he also, though, the movie had a partial rewrite by Jonathan Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein to just sort of make it more of their style, they said. Stars Jason Bateman from Ozark and Arrested Development, Rachel McAdams from The Notebook and Mean Girls, Kyle Chandler from Friday Night Lights and Godzilla vs. Kong, Sharon Horgan from The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent and Catastrophe, Billy Magnuson from The Many Saints of Newark and the live-action Aladdin, Lamorne Morris from New Girl and Jumanji The Next Level, Kylie Bunbury from Big Sky and Under the Dome, and finally, Jesse Plemons from Breaking Bad and Observe and Report. Uh, Just reviews. not a lot of star power. And I think that's fine. I, I sometimes yeah. prefer that because it's easier to just like sort of forget who, that they're acting. Yeah, 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 that's true. So first we have Matt Zoller-Zeitz from RogerEbert.com, a raucously funny film that has a knack for going right up to the edge of nastiness. Sandra Hall from the Sydney Morning Herald. It's hard to pin down the reasons as to why the film works so well but it plays like a screwball comedy classic in the making. Uh, Stephanie Murray from the Washington Post, like a real-life game night, the comedy may not leave a lasting impression, but it's plenty of fun while it lasts. Johnny Olegzinski from New York Post, the jokes are witty, the risk is real, and there's at least one thrilling plot twist. Yeah. Justin Chang from the Los Angeles Times, a four-hour documentary pitting Bateman against McAdams in an epic Settlers of Gatan matchup would have been significantly more interesting. Hmm which I thought was pretty harsh. Yeah, I, I would disagree with that, but okay. And lastly, Moira McDonald from the Seattle Times. This will be a game night to remember in tones of character early on in the film. This isn't true, as I've already forgotten most of this movie, despite having taken notes. Damn. Oh, okay. Cruelty wow. for the sake of cruelty, it seems, Moira. <laughs> yeah. All righty. Let me get to some big facts here. Uh, Jesse Plemons, when talking about Gary, says he was just born with a really intense face. Doesn't necessarily match what's inside of him, but he can't help looking really, really intense. Uh, Director John Francis Daly has a black belt in Kung Fu. Oh, super random fun fact. Yeah. And that that egg chase one take looking scene uh, had took a day and a half to shoot. Wow. Where, by the way, did you notice the cut? There is a moment where the camera is panning. I don't even want to say panning because it's it's moving. It's not just. A pan is when you just turn the camera left or right. It's turn, actually moving. Yeah. So it's more of a, a track or a dolly shot. But it's going across a wall and there's just like a slight, you know, moment of like a little jump cut that mm. you really have to be looking for it to notice it. Yeah. Because um, obviously, I guess what you're saying is like you didn't notice that that was in there. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't exactly like searching for it either. And I wasn't necessarily like, you know, it was one of those things where like, as the shot went on and on and on, I was like, oh shit, we're still, this is all one shot. It wasn't like from the beginning where I was like, oh my God, it's one shot. Yes. Um, I think when I realized that something is one shot, I'm immediately like, is it actually one shot or is it just appearing like it's one shot? Yeah. I will tell you, I went into the movie Birdman like a hawk being like, where did they hide cuts (laughs) in this movie? Where? (laughs) Yeah. Did you like Uh, Birdman, by the way? Don't tell me, because we're going to do it at some point. 
and then I'll stop doing my yeah. Stop gesturing to tell okay. me. Um, some more facts. A tilt shift lens is used to give several wide aerial shots the miniaturized look of the game of life board game, which mm-hmm. I think is so. Like I really wanted to find some behind the scenes that talked more about that because I yeah. thought it looked so fucking cool. Um, I even looked up the cinematographer who was Barry Peterson because I was like, has this guy done something else? Does he normally work in drama or something like that? And the answer was very much no, he doesn't. Because seeing other things that he was the cinematographer for, like just on his IMDb, before game night, he did Central Intelligence, uh, Vacation, 22 Jump Street, The Lego Movie, Where the Millers, 21 Jump Street, Starsky and Hutch. I, Zoolander. I don't think of any of those movies were having remarkable cinematography. So I was like, yeah, why did this guy go so fucking hard on this? Like, you know, was it at the insistence of the directors? I don't know, but it looked really cool. Yeah. Uh, Max and Annie make a joke about child actors not amounting to much. I love Jason that. Bateman was a child actor famous for his roles in Silver Spoons and Valerie, among others. That was so funny. And then at the end, they're like, we're not going to we're not going to let our kid sizzle out like a child actor. We're going to let him develop his talent slowly. It was very funny. I love uh, I love the way that they propose to each other through like charades and they announce that they're having a baby through charades. I think it's. A yeah, good it's very cute. Um, Jason Bateman was a producer on the film and originally was going to direct the movie. But when John Francis Daly and John Goldstein worked on a rewrite of the script, they did it only in the insistence that they would also get to direct the movie. Hmm. The actor who plays Tats, which you should not know that character's name, the bartender when yeah. you first go in, R.F. Daly is the father of John Francis Daly, the co-director. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I thought that was cool. At the beginning of the film, when Max and Annie are making out on the subway after the trivia night, a scrolling sign in the background reads, don't trust Gary. No. I should have looked for that, but I think that's so cool. Wow, that is really cool. Throughout the film, various children's games are played while trying to navigate the plot. Simon Says is played when Annie is holding the gun to the kidnappers. Hot Potato with the egg. Charades is played between Max and Annie at the airport. Kevin and Michelle's argument, their escape from the locked room, and Annie removing the bullet from Max's arm seem to be references to Guess Who, Jenga, and Operation, respectively. Wow, I didn't notice any of that. Yeah, isn't that cool? Yeah. Um, On rewatch, I definitely noticed the Jenga, which we didn't talk about it enough, but... The operation on the arm during the the bullet scene is so, so fucking funny. funny. Yeah. Also, though, has one shot that is like she makes it's she has to make two little cuts and it shows a shot of her cutting this fucking arm. And it's I know it's supposed to be partially funny, but it is also like, oh, oh, like every time I watch it, I'm like, what the fuck? I actually thought to myself, is he about to bleed out? Like, did she just slit his wrist? <laughs> Which the amount that he ends up bleeding that we see at Gary's should lead to him being pretty fucked up. Yeah. But it's a comedy, so like that doesn't really matter that much. Oh my god, so funny. Um, and the last thing I have, which we already talked about, was a scene where Gary's ex-wife Debbie meets not Denzel at a gas station is featured after the end credits. So funny. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I think um uh... I'm usually not the type of person who's like suspension of disbelief, you know, like it's in a comedy, you should be able to suspend your disbelief for just about anything. And I think because it was six o'clock in the morning, I was maybe just like not totally there. And you did text me last night and say, oh, this is a great time to watch a comedy. And maybe that like got in my head a little bit because I was like, this isn't like, like, this isn't all adding up for me. But then there were such incredible plot twists that I was like really caught off guard by. So I think there's like this really nice juxtaposition of like silly comedy, but also like 
intelligent thriller. Yes. And I think that's exactly what, you know, having watched again, since this was such a recent movie, I was able to watch like hours of interview footage when you put it all together. And so much of it, what sucks so much is so much of it is them saying nothing. <laughs> but Gab, yeah. I watched it all to see the directors <laughs> say at one point they really wanted to do a great blend of thriller and comedy. Well, was that worth me sitting through all of that? Probably not. (laughs) But was it worth sitting through so much of this episode so that you, listener, could get to the mail? It sure was. Oh, yeah. Mail time! When you control the mail, you control information. Mom asked me to ask you if there's any mail for us here by mistake. What? We're going to start with some comments that we have. We got a couple of them. This first one comes from the Sewer King. What's up? It's commenting back on our on our Nickelback repartee. No, no, no. The last Nickelback joke was made by Boss Biggest, not me. His was in response to something Mark Aquino said. Yes, 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 it was. Well, I'm assuming this is Batman referencing. That is Batman related. We will move on. I appreciate how he is keeping track of the lore of Nickelback jokes in this podcast. Yeah. I don't know when this got away from us, but this got away from us. It got away fast. Yeah. The train is it's off the right. tracks. We got a comment now from Scotty Cameron. I really thought of my age difference with Lincoln Park's Meteora because I was listening to the 20th anniversary as I wrote that comment. The last age difference I'll make is with Roland Emmerich's Godzilla, and I'm making that because Matthew Broderick was mentioned and he was in that movie, you know, because he's a murderer. That's why we had mentioned him. Right. Roland Emmerich's Godzilla came out four days before I was born. Also, Hank Azaria was in that movie. Well, 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 isn't this just a six degrees of separation? So if you look up the release date of 1998 Godzilla and then go back nine months, that's when Scotty's parents boned. And we'll, we're all going to sleep a little better tonight because we have that information. I sure will. Another yeah. comment from Scotty. Star Trek means nothing to you, Dylan? No, it does not. No, same. I thought you saw Galaxy Quest. That movie's a parody of Star Trek and its jokes are funny if you've seen it. Okay, well, I bet it's still funny even if you haven't seen it. So how about that, Scotty? Have you that, seen Scotty? Galaxy Quest, Gab? No, I haven't. My God, what what do you do? Do you just like exist in the world and like have conversations and stuff? Yeah, yeah. And like I've been telling you recently, I've started watching Love is Blind and I just I'm I'm pissed off that the whole world knew this was so good and nobody told me. Still have not watched it. Still do not intend to to watch it. No, you have. First of all, coming from somebody who talks about watching 90 Day Fiance, go fuck yourself because this is like the same thing, but a hundred times better. You and Giselle need to sit down and watch it now. Okay. A lot of ferocity coming through there. That's how good it is, Dylan. I haven't slept in days. I will. Okay. Moving on. Then again, you've probably seen Star Trek and not cared as much for it. I I have not seen Star Trek. (laughs) Uh, Ba-ba-ba. I am a Trekkie through and through. Star Trek is my favorite sci-fi franchise. And the reason I go by Scotty is because of Scotty from Star Trek. It's all good. Art is subjective. That's very interesting. Um, it it always kind of boggles my mind when people prefer Star Trek over Star Wars. And now, listen, I'm going to admit that I've never seen Star Trek and I'm not so interested in Star Trek. So why does it boggle your mind? Because I just feel like Star Wars is objectively like more adventurous and more exciting. And there's more like action and Star Trek is like nerdy McNerderson, no? Well, speaking as somebody who only knows a little bit vaguely about Star Trek from like, <laughs> like I said, red letter media and random things about Star Trek, it is much more of a diplomatic and hopeful future show. And it seems like it's a, it's meant to be a little bit, I don't want to say smarter, but that's the only way that's coming to my mind. I think it's yeah. meant to be a little bit more elevated from the science fiction standpoint of 
it's meant to be futuristic, whereas Star Wars is more just like sci-fi. Yeah. Well, to be fair, Star Wars takes place a long time ago. Yeah. A yeah. long, long time ago. In a but galaxy, far, see far, in a far, galaxy far, far away. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We've got two emails from Pedro Enrique. But two? he started by saying, sorry, I may have sent this email twice because of a mistake. So it's oh, due to the same Oh, thank God. I was like, God damn. I this don't is, have three hours. This is his shortest email in weeks. And you Aww. know what? We got to give Pedro some credit. He's been doing research for us. Pedro does homework. It is true. All right, Pedro, what do you have for us today? No review this week, but something new. Hello, Gavin Dillon. So as you can see from the title, I could not watch one of the 13, now 14 because as of this episode, movies on the list. New semester is starting next week, and I've been a bit busy trying to organize everything. I was not going to send an email this week, but then I thought, that's foolish. If me and Scotty Cameron don't send gigantic emails every week, what will they do? Just move on to the verdict and end the episode in 15 minutes instead of an hour and a half? I must wow. send something. Fair. <laughs> He's so right. He is right. It's painful. But jokes aside, I thought about what you guys motivated. I thought about what you guys motivated me to do these last weeks. I watched more films in the last weeks than I had in a long time, and it was great. Aw. Aw. I even found some films I hadn't watched yet to see if I could recommend them to you. Most of it was trash, but it was fun. It's great listening to you folks every Friday, and I will try to keep sending an email every week. Also, I just had this totally original idea that was not stolen from someone else for a new segment in my emails, the question of the week. <laughs> he says oh. this because I ask the question of the week every time in the, the Batman podcast that oh, I listen amazing. to, jump on the Batwagon. Right. Here's this week's question. Inspired by Gab's troubles with horror films, what genre of film do you have the hardest time enjoying? Hmm. I would say musicals for me. Really? Why? First of all, I'm shocked because I feel like we grew up in a relatively like musical friendly family. I'm not against musicals, but I, I'm i either going to like a musical or hate it. And there's very few that I like. So I feel like for the most part, I'm just like, eh, you know, can I can I ask for a couple of specifics? Like, can I rattle off a title and you tell me where it falls? Sure. Chicago. Great, great movie. You love it. Love it. Um, the you Sound of the, Music. Sound of Music, good as far as I remember. I have no interest in rewatching it, but I watched it when I was a kid and enjoyed it. Okay. Um, let me let me do one more. One like more. the most popular ones you're going to think of, I mostly enjoy. Like Grease, think is great. You know what I sure. mean? Okay. Okay. Uh, how about this hot take? Phantom of the Opera. Could not care less. I have not seen it. I will not watch it. Garbage, hot garbage. Saw it on Broadway. Fell asleep. Hate it. Glad it's closing. Hope it never comes back bit harsh but okay i saw hairspray in theaters i remember the 2007 oh, yeah. one and i sat the entire time through that movie like this is unbearable wow like i was like People i can't typically like keep that. going wow i saw hairspray on broadway with aunt dawn um start do you hear how hard i went out of my way to not sound like i'm from where we're from <laughs> um i saw it with aunt dawn and um ashley parker angel was the the zach efron guy he spit on me. It was a real treat as a like intentionally. No, no, no. He was just <laughs> he was just singing. I was like, is this no. a hate crime? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a hate crime. And okay, uh, what about you, though? What genre of film do you have the hardest time enjoying? I think, honestly, the, the genre of film I have the hardest time enjoying are like the action movies like um, Bob Odenkirk recently starred in a movie and nobody. I can't think of thank you nobody and I love Bob Odenkirk right mm -hmm. I'm a huge Breaking Bad Better Call Saul fan and um, I hated every second of it and I understand that it was like satirical 
I'm not I think, sure. I didn't see it. Yeah. Okay. It was definitely like, if it wasn't satire, it was definitely like egregiously violent. And mm-hmm. I don't have an issue with violence. It was just like, there wasn't a lot of dialogue. There wasn't a lot of stuff happening. It was just like explosion, stabbing, this, that. And it was just like, where's the substance? Um, There really wasn't any. And so any of those movies, like I'm really not interested in watching like a James Bond movie. I'm really not interested in watching like the even like the superhero movies, I don't know. Like, I just feel like I love a movie that is either really funny or has like a lot of um, like subtext maybe is the word I'm looking for. I do think it's fair though. I think, you know, an action movie, I love action because I can usually appreciate it from a technical standpoint. Sure. But it either has to be it can be okay action with a great story mm-hmm. or it has to be really great action. Cause otherwise it is just very middling. And I sort yeah. of feel the same way about musicals where I feel like most musicals I see, it's just like, I don't care about these songs, which don't feel like they contribute that much to the movie. And you know, it's for me, it has to be really important. The music has to really matter for it to be a musical. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. otherwise there are movies I feel like where you'll see it and it's like, this song is just in here for the sake of like, what you want to put out a soundtrack or have like the kids sing along version with it or what, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever seen Mamma Mia? No. And I, I hate 90% of ABBA songs. So I really oh, don't that's want interesting. To. I didn't know that you didn't like ABBA. I will say this. I don't mind ABBA. I like ABBA just as much as the next person, but I think Mamma Mia, that whole genre of music where it's like, or genre of musical rather, where mm. it's a musical, but it's it's like a jukebox musical, right? Where the songs already exist and they're kind of like loosely developing a plot to make the songs make sense, Generally I think is like garbage. That. Yeah. But I will say this, Corey took me to see the Broadway musical. It's currently on right now. It's called And Juliet. And it's all Max Martin music. So it's like NSYNC, Britney Spears, Backstreet Boys, Pink, like music from when we were kids to today, like pop music. And it's a jukebox musical, but it is so good. It was unbelievable. We both loved it. I cried like a fucking baby. It was so good. Do you think Um, you just like it because it's the music from when we were kids? Like, you know, Rock of Ages, I'm sure if you're like a kid who grew up in the 80s, I'm sure is amazing to you because that's all 80s music, right? Or is that original songs? I'm not sure. No, no, it is 80s. It's 80s like rock music. Um, Yeah, I definitely think it was like really powerful to know the music. And it's always powerful to like hear a reimagining of that type of music especially when it's live and you're seeing it happen but i do think the story was beautiful so especially if you're like a woman or around my age it was essentially the story of romeo and juliet and it was shakespeare writing romeo and juliet but shakespeare's wife convinces him to change the ending so juliet doesn't kill herself she just like goes through this breakup and has an opportunity to like find love (laughs) so she essentially 13 year old juliet doesn't kill herself because some boy made her sad you know a boy she barely knew so it's kind of like a very like female empowerment musical where you know she gets an opportunity to kind of like get out of verona and like find herself and find true love instead of losing her life as a teenager um but like you know, there's like Stronger by Britney Spears and like Backstreet's Bat. Like, it's just so good. Okay. I also I think Giselle would love it. I remember you told us about it. Yeah. I also think genre wise, I have a hard time with biopics in general. I feel like are huh. hard to connect with because a lot of the time it's like, well, I know who this person is already, or I don't care about this person. Otherwise, I would have known yeah. who they were already. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. Um, 
I don't really love, um, I know I, I kind of already alluded to that. I didn't allude to it. I said it superhero movies, but I think, um, I think like anything that puts effects before story. Yes. I, and I would agree with that. It. And I think yeah. because of the popularity of superhero movies now, there is definitely a lot of that. Like, yeah, you know, I, I love Marvel and DC, but there's so many of those movies that I'm like, eh. Yeah. I also don't care for any movie that comes out, especially like right around Oscar season, right? That appears to be so heavy handed that like you can just tell like I'm I like, listen, I'm on your side already. You don't have to convince me. You know what I mean? When it's like a movie about like. Like a like a, you know, a coming of age story about a boy who has to confront his father about his homosexuality. It's like when it's like Oscar season and they're like aiming to be nominated. And I'm like, listen, I'm liberal. Like I'm with you. Like gay rights are great. Like you don't have to shove this down my throat. You know what I mean? Like these very like over the top, like for your consideration. Oscar Beatty movies. Um, Yes. Yes. There's a lot of those that come out that I'll be like, I'm going to skip that. Like the one that the first one that came to my mind, I don't know why is the Will Smith one where he was King Richard, I think was the name of it, where he was playing Venus and Serena's father and I'm like yes I do not care well that's a biopic right like that kind of falls into that, both that genres merges them both together yes yep, it's Oscar yep. Beatty biopic I'm thinking more like um like I and I couldn't even tell you what this movie is about but like Manchester by the Sea I saw Manchester by the Sea and that is like sad porn yeah 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 yes, it is like yes, yes oh yeah his family dies in the beginning of the movie and he's just going to be depressed the entire fucking time and you're going to eat <sighs> this shit up and like it felt like you just had to get through it you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's yeah. the same. It's for people who like drama, the same as like for people who like gore watching the human centipede. It's yes. like, oh, I just want just fill me up with sadness. Yeah. It's for the people who enjoy watching. This is us every week and are just like, you know what? I just want to cry about something. Yeah. No, no, thank you. I'm good. Um, But to me, it, it's sort of like that, that genre. I think of like Oscar Beatty, um, you know, any movie that stars... God, this is going to kill me. Who's the actor that starred in the King's Speech? Colin Firth. Colin Firth. Essentially, any movie that Colin Firth does, <laughs> where like <laughs> they're all just Oscar like, Beatty. yes. Um, and I just, you know, and that's not to say that I don't love. I mean, again, like I said, we should do Black Swan. I loved Birdman. Like, I'm not against movies that Those do are well both at Oscar the Oscars Beatty too. Yeah. Yes, but it's a very specific type of Oscar Beatty where it's like more, I guess, like a peek at the industry, which they love to do at the Oscars, versus, um, you know, these movies that are like either full of like. Much in the same way, I think personally, that the Oscars love to nominate movies that talk about the industry because they kind of love to like pat themselves on the back. Mm -hmm. I think they also love to nominate movies that are extraordinarily like progress about topics that are progressive. Like we love movies about, like I said, like, you know, people coming out. We love movies about like makes them feel good about themselves. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I said, I'm on that team. Like, I'm like, absolutely. Yes. Like, I love all those topics, but it just does feel a little like masturbatory where it's like we all like I felt that way in in um, acting school. Like I went to uh, a very liberal college and, um, you know, we had to take our like gen ed classes and they would kind of talk all the time just about like 
progressive topics. And I was like, I completely agree with all of this, but I just feel like we're not even discussing what the other side is. And how can we know that we're right if we're not? You know what I mean? I don't know. I guess I've gotten off topic a bit, but I'm so sorry. I ignored most of what you just said there because once you mentioned Birdman, (laughs) (laughs) I had to look up like Birdman won best picture, but I remember it beat something that I feel like it shouldn't have because Birdman is a very, there's two very Oscar beating movies in here. Okay. There's multiple very Oscar beating movies in here. Um, You have Birdman, which is about the industry. They love that. Yes. Um, American Sniper, War Hero. Mm. They love that. I hated that movie. Also, war movies. I hate war movies. Uh, There's a lot of war movies I like. Again, it's very hit or miss. Like, you know, Saving Private Ryan is obviously spectacular. Glory. Yes, obviously. Oh, my God. We were just talking about Glory. That's That's so weird that you say that. It's a great movie. Matthew Broderick killed somebody. Killed two people. (laughs) It is a little bit like when you look back on a retrospect, it's like, oh, yeah, we needed this white guy to tell us about the first black regiment. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Imitation Game, which I don't remember what that's about, but I feel like that's also an Oscar Beatty movie. Selma, it biopic, was. Oscar Beatty. Yep. Selma, I lost my mind in Selma. I cried so hard. The movie that I totally think should have won this year, and I feel like you might even agree with me, even though you love Birdman, Whiplash. Oh, Whiplash is a phenomenal movie. But I I do. Oh, my God. Well, J.K. Simmons won the Oscar. Yes, but that whole movie deserved it. Like, that movie was fucking phenomenal from start to finish. <sighs> Damn, that movie was phenomenal from start to finish. Wow. I can't believe. Yeah, I did really like Birdman. I think Birdman did things visually that obviously, like, Whiplash didn't. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. There's just an element of like, not only is this like a very good movie and it's about the industry, which we love, which in fairness, like Whiplash is kind of about, it's about an industry. Yes. It's about, you know, music and the arts. But yeah, I just think visually Birdman did more. Um, But anyway, um, I don't care for war movies. Anyway, you didn't miss much. I was just saying that like, I don't like when like everyone is in agreement and they're just like continue to berate the point like when i was at school and you know we took i took a class in like my gen ed classes about like the hiv epidemic and we didn't really learn much about the virus but we did talk about how horrible it was that nobody cared and all these gay men were dying and it was like yes absolutely but like clearly this liberal like arts college in new york city we all agree but can we learn why they weren't doing anything can we talk about like what they were thinking even though it's it was wrong and obviously we all agree that it was wrong it's just like masturbatory when it's like we're just all talking about how like about the thing we agree on, but we're not really learning what the other side is, you know? I guess. And not the other side in the sense that like, no, the people who, you know, were against the people with AIDS were obviously right. But the other side is in like, why did this happen? Right. It's why like learning about the Holocaust have been and things like that. It's like, you have to know, you have to understand why people were siding with the Nazis, right? You have to understand like why people voted Hitler into power. You can't just talk about how terrible he was. You have to like psychologically yeah. understand. It's something we probably don't cover enough in, you know, our education K through 12. Well, you right. shouldn't in kindergarten be learning about like Hitler, but you <laughs> know guess, what yeah. I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but still 100%. We've gotten um, so far off the tracks. <laughs> we have. All I'm saying is that's why I don't love those Oscar movies that are like, it's like, yeah, obviously, like we we're all on this side. Like, I wanna I wanna see an Oscar, you know, nominee that's like not about those like very obvious things that we just keep repeating over and over again. But anyway, I, I do also really appreciate, and I feel like it doesn't happen enough. Like sometimes the biggest movie of the year should get more love at the Oscars than it does. Like the one my mind goes to is the Hurt Locker beating Avatar for Best Picture at the Oscars. And you know what? 
do I think Avatar has had the biggest cinematic footprint of all time? No, but it's the highest grossing movie ever made. I think still maybe Avengers Endgame beat it, but the Hurt Locker was fine. How many people really remember it that well? I think the, the, the most memorable thing about it is the fact that the director of the Hurt Locker is the ex-wife of the director of Avatar. And I think that's great. She really got to rub one in on him there. That's amazing. Actually, yeah. I'm in full support of that. Also, I feel like, isn't James Cameron a prick? He is very much known for being a dick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But man, so that dick can direct. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, let's finish up. You got several answers to that, Pedro. So good question. <laughs> yeah, uh, sorry, Pedro. We really pulled a Pedro on that one. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cruel to Pedro. It was a good question. He never Venmoed me, so I can say that. That's true. You're not among Gab's favorite listeners yet. That's, that's it. Well, I hope this was fun. Here's your promise for next week, and I'll do my best to keep this promise. I will finally watch two movies I've been avoiding for a long time. True Lies and The Room. See you next week. Wow, that's exciting. I'm excited to hear about both, Pedro. Yes. Now we got Scotty Cameron, Love and Death. Hey, Dylan and Gab, great show as always. I haven't seen Love and Death or any Woody Allen movie for that matter. I'd never heard of him until there was controversy, so I never really had any plans on watching his movies. Pause. That's so interesting because the controversy began before Dylan, you and I were born, never mind before Scotty was born. So I don't know if it began before we were born, but around the time we were born. I think if I'm not mistaken, I think they got married in 91. Is that right? Let me look. I feel like the controversy. Maybe it was 93. Yeah, I feel like the controversy re-begins every few years. Like, he'll come out with a movie and somebody who's in that movie says something nice about Woody Allen and people are like, why did they say this nice thing about Woody Allen? And yeah. we don't need to get back into Woody Allen again. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I'm entirely incorrect. They married in 1997. Oh, but yeah. they had so, obviously already been in a relationship prior to that. We were totally alive, though. Yes. Um, but Scotty. what I, I was five years old and worried that Woody Allen wanted me to marry me next. You know what I mean? I mean, I probably would have welcomed it, honestly. That's why I'm glad that the art, the subject of distinguishing. That's why I am glad that the subject of distinguishing the art from the artist. For me, distinguishing the art from the artist is easier when I'm having to do that because I don't want the dumb stuff a person says to affect my enjoyment of their art. Dylan's example of Zachary Levi being an anti-vaxxer is a good example of this. I have an easier time blocking the fact that Levi is an idiot when watching him play Captain Marvel in the Shazam movies. It's much harder if the person in question has harmed people via physical assault or sexual assault. A few examples I find hard to look forward. You're grammatically fucking me up here, Scotty. What the hell? <laughs> a few examples I find it hard to look forward for. The Flash, because Ezra Miller has routinely assaulted and choked their fans, and I just cannot in good conscience support someone who has done that to their fans. He also terrorized the island of Hawaii for months. How did I not know they, any of this? Um, You know what? It It was all like, it felt like there was a rumor every day for like six months that it was like, Ezra Miller just, you know, took my deck chair in Hawaii and threw it over into the ocean. <laughs> and it was like, what? Why would they do this? Like, <laughs> it felt like that kept happening. Um, same for Kevin Spacey and James Franco with the sexual assault they have under their belt. I just find it extremely yeah. difficult to distinguish art from the artist when the person has done something like that, which is really unfortunate because especially Kevin Spacey, such a good actor, but also awful. Just awful Yeah, but person. I still, I would still agree that there, we can still appreciate those films and say like, wow, he's a dirtbag, but. Yeah, I can still watch Seven, you know what I mean? And like, be like, yeah. oh, this is a great movie. Yeah. On the subject of Larry David and Woody Allen, Dave, uh, you know what? Scotty's coming through. He's being our, our Jamie from Joe Yes. Rogan. On the subject of Larry David and Woody Allen, David has cited Allen as an influence alongside Mel Brooks, Phil, Silver, Phil Silvers, Abbott and Costello, Jackie Mason, Alan King, Don Rickles, and Mad Magazine. 
David was in Alan's film, Whatever Works. In a 2020 interview, David said about Alan in regards to a memoir Alan wrote, yeah, it's pretty great. It's a fantastic book. So funny. You feel like you're in the room with him and it's hard to walk away after reading that book, thinking that this guy did anything wrong. So take with it what you will. I don't know how much David actually knows about Alan's controversies and how much he wants to know, given that he was in Whatever Works. So I just chalk this up to David not wanting to condemn someone who played a big role in his career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I can yeah. leave it at that. Again, is it going to stop me from watching Curb Your Enthusiasm that he said something about Larry uh, Woody Allen? No, but I still don't have to like be like big number one Woody Allen fan currently. Yeah, no, not at all. Gab, I figured you would take interest in the Robocop by knowing Michael Keaton was in the film. I can tell you're a huge fan of the actor. He is great. I really liked him as the vulture in Spider-Man Homecoming, and he reprises that role in Morbius. Did you see Spider-Man Homecoming or Morbius? Do I really have to answer that question? No, she did not. Uh, which that does strike me as a film you may pass on, even though Keaton is in it, because it's really bad. Granted, <laughs> Keaton is only in the two end credit scenes for Morbius. As I write this, I spotted a rumor in my Google feed that Paramount is looking to cast Keaton in an upcoming G.I. Joe reboot. Granted, it's a rumor, so take it with a grain of salt. But if it does end up being true, you heard it from me first. Sincerely, Scotty. Scotty, breaking news on the podcast. Breaking news. You know, it's probably the only way I would watch a G.I. Joe movie if Michael Keaton isn't it. I think Michael Keaton is very handsome. He always has been. He always will be. I don't like to speak negatively, so I'm not going to say anything in response to that. That's very noble of you. Thank you. Now, should we move on to our verdicts for game night? You know, I would love to. Do or do not. There is no try. The guilty will be punished. Sentence is death. All right. Being the one who suggested this movie, uh, you know, I'm going to go first. I think it's a movie to watch before you die. I still think it's hysterical. I think it has a really good story. Are there a couple things that are ridiculous? Obviously, but it's ridiculous in the sense of it's a comedy. So you sort of just go along with some of the more ridiculous shenanigans. Um, I think all the cast does a really good job. The particular standout, like I said, is Jesse Plemons as Gary, because there is not a moment that he's in the movie that is not hysterical. And even though it's probably product placement, I crack up every time that motherfucker says, Three for one. How can that be profitable for the Frito-Lay Corporation? <laughs> so I think you should give it a watch. I think it's a movie to watch before you die. Gab, what say ye? Well, Dylan, in the beginning, as I was watching this movie, I thought to myself, this is fun. It's fine. It, I get it. If it were on, I probably wouldn't turn it off. But I don't think it's a movie to watch before you die. Uh, I don't know. Like, Then the more I, I watched, the more I was like, I get it, though. And not every movie that we call a movie to watch before you die has to be a life changer. And I thought about some of the other movies that we've chosen. And I thought about, like, the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie that we watched, True Lies. And I thought about, like, some of these other movies that, like, maybe I would never want to watch again, but I'm glad I watched once. And then I thought this movie I would probably more happily watch again. Like, it was funny. I'm certain there were plenty of moments that either went over my head on first watch or that I just wasn't, like, in the space to be mindful of or that I didn't appreciate enough. And like I said, when I got home from work and I watched the last 10 minutes, I was like, this was so funny. It was cute. It was funny. Um, It had a great storyline. And so I'm going to go ahead and call this a movie to watch before you die. I cannot believe it. And to you, listener, <laughs> all two or three of you, I got to tell you, if this movie was able to surpass being watched at six in the morning with commercials and having yeah. a break in the middle of it, it's worth your time. You should watch it. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I get to I get to make an addition to the end of our little thing. 
It was funny. It was good. It, you know, I think my biggest issue with this was that it felt like, um, some of the humor was cheap. Like some of it I really did laugh at. And some of it, I, you know, when you're kind of just go like, hmm. like there were, there yeah, were a number of not, moments not every where joke is a, a grand slam, but I think it's taken a yeah. lot of swings. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and it definitely hits where it hits. Um, you know, we got some doubles and triples in there. They weren't all singles. Um, baseball season's coming back, baby. Are you ready? I'm so excited. Um, yeah, I'm ready. It was it was it was really good. And I would happily watch it again under better circumstances without commercials. Um, it you know, I, I will tell you this. I forgot to mention this in the beginning. When you told me we were going to watch Game Night, I thought this was the movie that Peter Dinklage was in, where the character is based off of Billy Miller from the Donkey Kong. Thing. Oh, Pixels. I have yes. never seen Pixels and I would not pick Pixels. I've only heard bad things. Okay, but I just assumed that like this was one of those like six degrees of Kevin Bacon thing and that we were going to turn this into like every movie we pick had to be related to the one. You know what I mean? I'm glad we're not doing that. (laughs) Let's definitely not make every single movie connected. Although I feel like that's something I always do. Like you'll pick a movie and I'll be like, you know what this reminds me of? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I tried Um, not to do that with this one. Yeah, I mean, it was just good. It was lighthearted. It was fun. I really I enjoyed the plot. I enjoyed the comedy and, uh, you know, I, was it Citizen Kane? No, but I, I almost enjoyed how much it wasn't Citizen Kane, you know, better than Citizen Kane. Well, Citizen Kane sucks, but you know, (laughs) I take, uh, if you're listening and you've made it all the way through this episode, thank you. Um, we, we don't do this for you. We definitely do this for us, but it's a bonus (laughs) that you listen. So, (laughs) I do this for Vitz, for Keen, for Scotty Cameron, <laughs> for my That's fat a... face. <laughs> um, yeah. No, we appreciate everybody who does listen. If you do want to send us some comments and tell us you loved Game Night, you hated Game Night, you loved what we said, you hated what we said, you can send us an email at movies to watch before you die at gmail.com. Or I believe this link still works. You can send us a voice message at. Anchor.fm slash movies to watch. Anchor.fm slash movies to watch. It's no longer Anchor. Now they call it Spotify for podcasters, but the the link still works. So whatever. Oh, that's bizarre. Okay. I don't know why they decided to make that change several years after introducing the service, but that's on them. Okay. Alrighty. Thank you for listening. Come back next week for whatever surprise movie we do. And hopefully you enjoyed game night. Yep. And you can Venmo me at. We'll insert Gab's Venmo somewhere or not. Yeah. I don't know. I don't care if she gets paid. Thanks, everyone. Nice. Just, just, just two of us. Three bags of Tostito scoops. I notice. There was a special on these tonight. Three for one. Three for one. Yep. How can that be profitable for Frito Lay? <laughs>